I'm Martine Powers. This is an election update from Post Reports. It's Friday, November 13th. Um, so who are you and what do you do? I'm uh, Paul Kane, senior congressional correspondent for The Washington Post. I cover Congress, America's most beloved institution. <laughs> Kidding, of course. As you probably know, there are still two Senate races that have not been settled from November 3rd. And now they're heading to runoff elections. On January 5th, you are going to have this incredibly rare moment in which you have two overtime Senate races. It's the best way to think of it. Uh, Overtime, extra innings. And those two races are going to decide the majority in the Senate. If Democrats manage to win both these runoffs, they will effectively have control of the Senate. If not, the Republicans will. This is a monumental race. If Joe Biden faces Mitch McConnell as the Republican majority leader, his window of opportunity for a legislative agenda really just shuts almost entirely. And so the control of the entire Senate all comes down to Georgia. Georgia is a state that, by law, requires its statewide officials, who people running for senator, governor, state attorney general, they must win at least 50.1% of the vote, a real majority. And this year, neither of the two Senate races in Georgia were able to hit that threshold. Here's the deal. The two races come down to incumbent David Perdue. The most insidious thing that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are trying to perpetrate, and Bernie and Elizabeth and Kamala, or what Kamala, or Kamala, 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 I don't know. Trying to win another six-year term up against John Ossoff. Enough incompetence, deceit, corruption, division. Change has come to Georgia, and retirement is coming for Senator David Perdue. A 33-year-old Democrat with a background in documentary filmmaking. And on the other side, you have appointed Senator Kelly Loeffler. Well, look, there's no room in this country for racism, but this isn't what the Black Lives Matter political organization is about. I mean, this is an organization that, uh, you know, seeks to destroy American principles. And I had to draw... From an amazingly wealthy family, her husband's firm owns the New York Stock Exchange, and she is up against... The Reverend Raphael Warnock. We've been trying to beat back this virus of racism since 1619 when 20 slaves arrived on the shores of Jamestown, Virginia. Senior minister of Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King Jr. was the preacher. So why is it that Georgia has this system in place in the first place where if you don't get a majority of the votes for a statewide office, that it automatically goes to a runoff? It's a throwback law that was sort of created back in the Jim Crow era of the South and uh, and the 1960s in which the white power brokers that be did not want to get into a situation in which there were multiple white candidates dividing up the vote and that a black candidate with, you know, 
36% would have the plurality and get elected. Really? Yes. This was always designed as a, a way to make sure that you would have white candidates winning statewide races. That's wild to me that that like, continues to be the case now. Yeah. Raphael Warnock is attempting to make history as the first black Democrat elected to the Senate from the South. Like there were post-Civil War in the Reconstruction era, there were a couple of African-American senators. After that, it just went away. You're looking at a legacy where Tim Scott, the Republican from South Carolina, is really the only black senator ever elected from the South. So that's what Warnock is up against in this race. So I think it's really easy to look at what's going to happen on January 5th and basically say, oh, well, this is going to be November 3rd all over again. But I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of dynamics that are very different here. In a special election, it's only going to be the Senate that people are voting on. President Trump is not going to be on the ballot. And I think that could change things. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that this is happening on January 5th, which strikes me as a pretty strange day to have an election yeah. right after the holidays. And like, is anyone going to remember that it's happening and actually show up to vote? You know, that's a, a really good question. State law sets this runoff election date. And frankly, in years past, the Georgia runoffs were usually held in mid-December before the holiday high tide moment between Christmas, New Year's and a couple days after. For some quirk in state timing, state law, they set January 5th this time, which means, you know, early voting begins in Georgia on December 14th hmm. and goes all the way to the end of the month. It is going to be a very strange dynamic to have all of this going through the holiday season. Are people really even paying attention? Trump voters by then will most likely be dealing with the fact that Donald J. Trump is not going to be president. So do you think that would be animating for those voters in terms of having this moment where they're coming to realize that President Trump isn't going to continue to be president and then have this other election that they can suddenly participate in? So the hope from the Senate Republican point of view is that they can get a twin message going that will both hold their Trump MAGA voters, and there are a bunch of them in Georgia, that they will hear the message over and over again that Biden and Democrats stole Georgia in the presidential race. There's no evidence of that. There's no even real hint of anything nefarious about that victory. But they're hoping that that will energize those voters and at the same time, they're hoping that they can go to the more traditional conservative Republican voters and simply say, that's why we need to win these two Senate seats so we can prevent the quote-unquote socialism of the Democrats, and that's what will happen if they win the Senate majority. But it's also tricky if the Trump voters think that the Democrats just stole the election – they might not want to show up anyway because hmm. they think, well, the Democrats are just going to steal the election again. What's, what's yeah. the point of voting? That there could be a sense of apathy among some of these voters. Agnostic feelings of disenfranchisement of, you know, what's the point of voting if you're just going to come steal the election? 
Well, then how does it work for Democrats? Like, coming off Joe Biden having won the presidency, will that be helpful or hurtful to Democrats in their messaging to voters in in Georgia about why it's so important for them to come out and vote? The initial instinct is to say that it's going to be bad for the Democratic candidates because it really nationalizes this race and makes it about something bigger than the two incumbents who Democrats feel have a lot of weaknesses themselves. But there are Democratic consultants who tell me that, look, these two races are nationalized and there's nothing you can do about it. And the best thing you can do as Democrats is embrace that, Mm. embrace the nationalization and try to get a really historically high level of black turnout, especially around Atlanta, Savannah, and some of the other areas with a high percentage of minority voters. And that the only way you're going to do that to generate that type of turnout is not by running some sort of small ball, modest campaign. They need to make black voters believe that this is about advancing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's agenda. And that means they have to go all in. When you say all in, are you talking about like money fundraising? I mean, are we seeing big numbers so far in terms of those kinds of resources being dedicated to this race? Well, yes, we haven't seen actual numbers yet from the Democrats on the campaign side. Republicans announced today they've raised something like $33 million specifically dedicated to Georgia. I would imagine that Democrats' numbers are as good, if not quite a bit better. I think it is not out of the question to think that Ossoff and Warnock will both top $50 million in a two-month span between the general election normal day, November 3rd, and the runoffs on January 5th. Well, I want to talk more about Ossoff and Warnock Neither of them have pretty significant experience in politics. How did they end up in this place? And are there concerns about the fact that if they are relative political newbies, that maybe they're not the best candidates to carry this over the finish line? Yeah. Listen, they are two very different people. Warnock is the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is one of the single most storied churches in the black civil rights movement. Mm. He is charismatic. He can deliver wonderful fire and brimstone speeches that will get the party faithful wanting to run through brick walls for them. John Ossoff is a 33-year-old white Jewish guy from the metro Atlanta area who doesn't have much of a background. A few years, he worked on Capitol Hill for Congressman Hank Johnson Ossoff has gone off and he started a documentary film company. The biggest commonality between Warnock and Ossoff is their lack of real experience. You now have this sort of odd couple of Democrats with different backgrounds running together. They're not an official ticket. You're going to have to cast a vote in each of the Senate races. But the reality is they are a ticket and they might work well together. They might gel and be able to draft off of one another to constituencies of voters that they might not normally be able to get. You know, Asif may benefit from an incredibly high black turnout 
that he wouldn't on his own normally see. Warnock might have entrees into certain Jewish communities and younger white progressive areas that he might not otherwise have. That's the democratic hope, is that those two together with their very different backgrounds will actually push one another in their specific weaknesses and they win both races. Paul Kane is a senior congressional correspondent for The Post. That's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. Thanks for listening. 